0: How he's doing? That's good. You guys, uh, you guys, hear about the a, a story that hit the uh, Central Coast Advocate like maybe two weeks ago? I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if anyone actually reads the newspaper. I don't. I just happen to see this, right? But here was what was on our local newspaper the other week: ghost hunting tales of the paranormal baffle Central Coast residents. And it was a story about the hitchhiking ghost of Jenny Dixon. Anyone heard of this anywhere, whether it was on the radio or in that newspaper article or just somewhere? You ever heard of it? Okay, a few of us. Yeah, okay. It's pretty good. Now, I heard this story, this particular urban legend, when I was in primary school. And it's a pretty good story. Here's how it goes. Back in like the 70s, right, this girl was on her way home from school or something, and, and she got killed on Wilford Barrett Drive, actually murdered on that street between like the entrance and Tukli. She's going home, she got killed Um, and then after that strangely, mysteriously, her attackers one by one started dying in all these weird sorts of ways Uh, and then the story goes that apparently this girl, her ghost haunts Wilford Barrett Drive, you know Magenta Shores Pelos Beach, there. Anyway, apparently her ghost haunts that street now. And what happens is now, from time to time, if you're driving along there, you'll see a girl hitchhiking and you pick her up and you start talking to her and you're driving along. But then she kind of trails off talking and you're like, what's the And you look back in the back seat and she's gone. And like the car never stopped, the, the doors never opened, the seatbelt's still clipped together. She's just disappeared. And it's like, what? And so that's how the story goes. <laughs> but as far as I can tell, it is just a story. I've never actually met a genuine witness who's actually seen this happen. These stories kind of go around. Someone has met someone who met someone who heard this happen to them, or their uncle, or whatever. Anyway, that's the story of the ghost of Jenny Dixon Beachwright. But here's what our local newspaper, the Express Advocate, managed to find regarding this amazing story. So this is front page of our newspaper. People, you ready for this? Here's the witnesses. Good friends Julie Baker and Kay Davison, both of Gorakin, swear yeah, someone's giggling, so <laughs> swear they've seen the hitchhiking girl. The year was two thousand, so it's a long time ago now. And the women were driving from Gorakin to the entrance to pick up Melbourne Cup tickets, as you do. And it was seven thirty PM and they travelled along Wilfur Barrett Drive heading south and they saw the girl just opposite the cemetery. We both noticed her, be- her beautiful dress, Miss Baker said. It was a long, white handkerchief dress, and we both commented on it. We'd seen another girl hitchhiking down the road, and so we thought it was dangerous, and when we saw a carload of fellows in a car near the girl on Wilford Barrett Drive, we thought we should keep an eye on them. And so we slowed down and were oh, oh, and were almost pulled over, and she disappeared. There was nowhere for her to go. She just disappeared that's it front page of our newspaper we saw a girl and we lost sight of her and she was gone and so it must have been the hitchhiking ghost of jenny dixon and so it's on the front page of the express advocate it's pretty funny the only scary thing about this story really is that this was on the front page of our newspaper 14 years ago two middle-aged women saw a girl lost sight of her and went, oh, it must have been the ghost of jenny dixon and then that's on our front page now here's the thing here's the thing Many people think that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is just like one of those urban legends. Someone once met someone who saw something once who thought it was Jesus risen from the dead and so they told people and then you know someone wrote it down and then it got called the Bible and so here we are today worshipping this guy called Jesus because this big urban legend that just kind of grew. So the question is, did Jesus actually rise from the dead. Now, I don't know if you guys care about this question at all, but let me tell you, let me show you why this question really matters. See, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian but Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the Bible says that you're wasting your life. Have a listen to just a few verses on Uh, From where Mitch read for us, just uh, in verse 14 in that same chapter. You can pull it up if you've got a Bible with you. Verse 14, Paul says this If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Christians are idiots. We may as well be spending our lives trying to convince the world that Santa Claus is real, and then one day find out that he's not. That's what Christians are doing if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But not only that, if you listen to the verse 15, not only are we wasting our lives if Jesus didn't rise, we're liars about God. Verse 15, more than that. Thanks guys, when you're ready, come on, let's go. More than that, we're liars. Verse 15, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we've testified about God that he raised Jesus from the dead. So if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Christians aren't just people with kind of good intentions. No, they're actually telling lies about God. And it's not just that we're idiots and wasting our time and liars. Verse 17, listen to this. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile And you're still in your sins. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you have no reason to think that your sins have been forgiven by God. No reason at all to think you even have a relationship with God if Jesus hasn't been risen from the dead. And then finally, listen to verses 18 and 19. This is huge. If Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep, that means those who have died in Christ, are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what that means is that when people die, they go to the the ground or get burned or whatever and they just stay there, they just rot. Atheists are right, which means that us Christians who waste our time worrying about this, we should be pitied more than anyone else if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. You guys feeling it? This question matters a lot. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Now, if you're not a Christian, what about you? Does this question matter for you? Well, I reckon it matters for all those reasons already, but here's one more for you. If Jesus did rise from the dead, that means that he is who he claimed to be. If he rose from the dead, that means he's actually... Your ruler, whether you know it or not, he's your God. And one day you're going to face him. He's going to be your judge. And you'll either face him as your enemy or as your friend. So listen to just two more verses. Verse 20, he goes on, he's talking about, you know, Jesus, you know, what if he didn't rise? And then he says, but Christ has indeed been raised. And so in verse 25, he says that Jesus must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. If Jesus did rise from the dead, he's going to reign until he's judged everyone and all his enemies are under his feet. And so if Jesus did rise from the dead, that means he's your ruler, he's your judge, whether you even know it or not, that's who he is. And so did Jesus actually rise from the dead or is it just like some urban legend type thing? Is that what's going on here, Like the ghost of, of Jenny Dixon Beach? Well, tonight, as we look at this passage that Mitch read out for us, we're going to look at a good chunk of evidence for Jesus' resurrection. We can't possibly say everything that there is to say about the evidence for Jesus' resurrection. We're going to look at a good piece of it, right? It's going to be a good time. It's going to be huge stuff. I should say as well, if you want to ask questions about this, I'm going to give you a, a quick chance at the end of the talk to ask any questions you guys have got. So if you think of questions as we're going along, save them and, and you can ask your questions at the end. All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 9, which is that piece of paper you've got in front of you there. So have that out and follow along on it. It'll be heaps helpful. Piece of evidence number one. Jesus was a real man who died for our sins. You can see it highlighted in purple in verse 3 there. So have a look at verse 3 with me. Follow along. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, the fact that Jesus was a real man who lived and died, that's just an undisputed fact of history. There's no one who knows anything about history who's saying anything other than the fact that Jesus was a real guy who lived and, of course, died eventually on the cross. No one's denying that. Now, if you were at FAT, you would have heard Hazy say this, but I'm going to say it again very briefly, right? Because this is pretty cool. A few years ago, a lecturer in ancient history called John Dixon tweeted this on Twitter. Right? He said this, I'll eat a page of my Bible if any skeptics can find one professor of ancient history or New Testament in a real university who thinks that Jesus didn't live. I'm going to eat a page of my Bible. And then a comedian called John Saffron, who's like a guy off Triple J, he caught hold of this and he thought it'd be pretty funny to watch a guy eat a page of his Bible. So he retweeted it to his 52,000 followers and then that kind of just went viral. Everyone heard about it. Now could anyone find a professor of ancient history who thinks that Jesus lived? That lived, didn't live. You get the point, right? Yeah. Well, what happened was people began kind of firing back their responses and saying, what about this guy? What about this guy? He says that Jesus didn't live. But when they, those claims were investigated, the, kind of pro, the, the professors we were dealing with weren't professors of ancient history. They were professors of things like dental surgery and Italian studies and stuff like that. A year later, how many real professors of ancient history or in the New Testament do you think they could find that wanted to claim that Jesus never lived? You already heard this at FAT, a lot of you. Zero. Not one person in a real university who was a professor of ancient history could could claim that. And so what that means, guys, is that if you think that Jesus wasn't even a real person who walked the earth and one day died on the cross, you're going against every professor of ancient history in every university in the world. Jesus was a real man who, who lived and died. Now, the thing that people dispute, though, is this. What did his death do and did he rise from the dead? And Now Paul in this passage as he writes it is saying that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He died in our place on the cross to save us from the consequences of our sins and make us right with God. And so what do we know so far? Point one, well not much but we know a bit, Jesus was a real man who lived and died. It's pretty straightforward. Piece of evidence number two, you ready for this? It's highlighted in yellow in verse 4 there. Jesus was buried, it says in verse 4, but later we find out that his body went missing. See, Paul says it in this letter right here. You can see it in verse 4. Jesus was buried. In all the other accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. (laughs) That's confusing. I feel like it said 4 already. In all the other accounts of Jesus' life, right, it says very clearly that Jesus, after he was buried... His body disappeared. But his burial was a public thing, right? Just like Jesus publicly died on the cross, publicly he was buried. A rich guy, all the accounts say the same thing, a rich guy named Joseph of Arimathea, he came and he took Jesus' body, wrapped it up, did all the burial stuff and put it in like a fresh tomb and a whole bunch of witnesses watched him do it in front of a whole bunch of people. So he was publicly buried but his body went missing. All the accounts say the same thing. When they came to visit his grave on Easter Sunday, his body was gone. See, imagine, right, imagine if, uh, imagine, oh, I've, I've lost track of something, right? Bear with me for a second, yeah. Um, see, imagine that um, my, my my grandpa did die, right? So imagine my grandpa's passed away, and then later on down the track, someone wants to claim that my grandfather's risen from the dead. What would I do at that point? They're like, guess what, your grandpa's around, and I saw him walking around there in a fair. I reckon one obvious thing is I actually just go to his grave and check his grave, and if it's not all disturbed, that's probably okay, but if I was really worried that it was true, I could dig it up and look in there and find a body and go, no, no, grandpa is dead, the rumours are wrong, and, and the whole thing would be put aside. The claim of Christianity is that Jesus rose from the dead, and his body was gone from the grave. And so you've got to do something with that. You've got to do something with that claim that his body was gone. Either it's true that Jesus did rise from the dead, and that's why his body was gone, or there's some other reason why his body was gone. There has to be another explanation. And so what are the possible reasons there could be for why Jesus' body went missing like it did? One idea that goes around, you might want to think about ideas as we're thinking about this, think in your own head, right? But one idea that goes around is this, what if Jesus' enemies took his body, right? So imagine, I don't know, there was heaps of enemies of Christianity, the Jews who plotted to get Jesus killed, the Romans who executed him and didn't particularly like the Christians, what if they kind of thought it was a good idea to prank the Christians and be like, let's take Jesus' body and they'll think he rose from the dead, it'll be hilarious, just to mess with them. And so they kind of do that, right? Which, I don't know, it's a bit of a... Weird idea, but let's imagine that they did, right? They took Jesus' body. Once this rumour about Jesus being risen from the dead, though, started to spread around and all these Christians are telling people that they saw Jesus resurrected from the dead, Jesus is alive and people are becoming Christians and all this stuff started happening for the Christians, if you were the enemies of Jesus and the Christians, what would you do at that point? You'd go, whoa, whoa, stop everything, come on. We took his body... The joke's on you. Look, we've even got it here, or we got rid of it, but we took his body. Ha, we got you. Look how stupid the Christians look. Everyone point and laugh at the Christians. You would pull out his body and make them look like idiots. History tells us that no one ever came forward and whipped out Jesus' body and said, look, here's the proof. We took it. It was all a big joke. It's very unlikely that Jesus' enemies took his body so what about the flip side of that? What if Jesus' friends took his body? What if they, I don't know, they wanted to get rich or get popular or just, I don't know, remember Jesus in a weird sort of crazy way by taking his body? I don't know. They got some motivation, right? Here's the problem with that idea. It was the absolute opposite of that for Jesus' friends. The people who believed Jesus and followed him, when he rose from the dead, they did not get rich They did not get popular, didn't make their life, he's good. Paul says in verse 19 in this chapter, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then we should be pitied more than anyone else because of the lives that we've been living. The witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, the friends of Jesus, didn't get anything from Jesus' resurrection. It's at a very hard time in this life. None of them got rich. It was very, very hard for them. They were threatened, they were beaten, and eventually they were killed. The 12 disciples, right? You've heard of the 12 closest followers of Jesus, the 12 disciples. Here's what historically tradition tells us happened to them. Six of the 12 disciples were crucified like Jesus. Three of them were beheaded. One of them was beaten to death with a stick, and the other one was stabbed to death with a sharp stick, right? And then there's one guy left who I think kind of got to old age and died old on an island called Patmos, pretty much in prison. That's what happened to Jesus' 12 disciples as they went around telling everyone that they saw Jesus risen from the dead. Now I reckon at the point that one of your friends gets beheaded or people just say, I'm going to kill you if you don't stop saying this stuff, I'm out. If I stole Jesus' body, I'm not going to follow this hoax anymore at that point. None of them ever gave up and said, yeah, I did, I took his body, it's a hoax or we didn't see him or whatever. All of them went to their death saying they saw Jesus alive. One other option, what if grave robbers took Jesus' body? What if just grave robbers or some other random people who had something to gain from it took Jesus' body for some particular reason? There's at least two problems with this idea, right? Right? First problem is this, in Matthew 27, one of the accounts, it talks about how some Roman centurions, some Roman soldiers got put next to the tomb to guard it over the weekend when his body was taken because they were afraid that someone might attempt to take his body. And so there's these soldiers guarding the tomb. And so if you're a grave robber, step one, you've got to get past these soldiers and somehow beat them or do what you're going to do and then convince them to like, you know, not tell anyone that you took the body. And then on top of that, two of the accounts, Luke and John, both talk about the fact that when they found the empty tomb, Jesus' body was gone, but they'd left, but left behind was the, the expensive cloth which his body was wrapped up in and prepared in to be buried in. So imagine you're like a grave robber, your job is to steal stuff from graves. You come in and you're like, hmm, it's nice cloth, I'm going to unwrap that, leave that on the ground and steal this naked dead dude and run off with him and leave behind the cloth. It's just a crazy idea if you're a grave robber that you'd leave behind the goods and take the dead naked guy. That just doesn't make any sense. And so there's a few other ideas out there about what could have happened to Jesus' body and if you want to ask questions about that you can. But for now I want to say this, I can't think of any valid reason why Jesus' tomb was empty except that he rose from the dead. Jesus was buried and his body went missing. Piece of evidence number three, though. We're halfway there. Here it is. Hundreds of witnesses saw Jesus resurrected, risen from the dead. You can see that highlighted in blue on your sheets in front of you there. Check it out. Verse 4 says that he was buried and was raised again on the fourth day. And then in verse 5, it says that he appeared. Now, who did he appear to? Like some crazy people who'd just been... I don't know, having a bit of a smoke on something and they saw Jesus appear with Elvis and Bigfoot? No. He appeared to Peter and then to the 12, that's the 12 disciples, the guys that got killed, saying that they saw Jesus alive. And then look at verse 6. This is amazing. Look at verse 6. After that, after appearing to all these different people, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And that means that they've died, they've fallen asleep. He appeared to 500 people at once. That's amazing. When Paul wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians, you could go around and talk to these people. There was people walking the street who hadn't seen Jesus resurrected from the dead. Which means, guys, it means a few things, really clearly. Firstly, it means that, firstly, it means that this couldn't have been just some crazy hallucination. He appeared to multiple people in multiple places at different times and one time he even appeared to 500 people at once. 500 people don't together have a crazy hallucination. We're not all going to see the same crazy thing. Maybe we could inject some drugs into the room but I can't make your brains think you saw the same thing as me right now. Like, It's just crazy that this could be a hallucination. It's not one big mass delusion together. Secondly though, it means that this can't be an urban legend. Someone once knew someone who once saw this guy, Jesus, risen from the dead. No, within the lifetime of this letter, hundreds of people were walking around willing to put their name on this story that Jesus rose from the dead. I saw him. I was there. I put my fingers in the holes in his hands. That's the kind of claims that people are making. You see the difference between an urban legend, like the ghost of Jenny Dixon, and the resurrection of Jesus. Remember that newspaper article? 40 years down the track from when this legend kind of got underway, the best thing that our newspaper could dig up to kind of prove this thing, or at least just sell some, give away some free papers. I don't know why they're making papers for. But anyway, the best thing they could do was they found two middle-aged women from Gorakin who momentarily saw a girl from a distance and then she was gone. They didn't talk to her. They didn't have any reason to believe it was a particular person. It was just a girl in a dress who they lost sight of. Probably one of you guys dressed up messing with him. Well, that wouldn't make sense, but someone your age 15 years ago messing with him, right? I don't know. It could be anything. With Jesus, hundreds of people saw him and talked to him. And this isn't just strangers who like, saw him from a distance like, hey, is that Jesus? It is. Yeah. Oh, I've lost sight of him. I think it was Jesus. Tell him he's alive, everyone. No, that's not how it went down. He ate with them. He appeared in rooms and talked to them and taught them. Hundreds of them together saw him at one time. These guys can't have just been mistaken. It wasn't just an urban legend and it wasn't a lie. These guys lost everything for this story that Jesus had risen from the dead. This isn't an urban legend. Final piece of evidence for us tonight from this chapter here. Number four, the incredible change in those witnesses. It's pretty amazing. So let me tell you about just two of those witnesses. In verse 5, it mentions Peter, or Cephas is another name for him, right? Peter was an absolute coward. He was just a scaredy cat. He talked big, right? But when stuff went down, he was gone. Jesus is on trial. He's about to get executed, and Peter's kind of watching from afar to see what's going to happen. And like a little slave girl sees Peter, and she's like, hey, don't you know Jesus? Are you one of Jesus' friends? And he's like, no, little slave girl, I'm not. And he denies Jesus Three times. I don't know who that man is. I don't know what you're talking about. I've got nothing to do with Jesus. He's just a coward. I wonder if we'd be kind of similar, though, in that same situation. But after Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and he became the most fearless preacher of Jesus, it was just amazing. He was nuts. He would just preach. He'd go for it. He'd get put in jail. He wouldn't care. He'd get beaten. He eventually got crucified just like Jesus because he wouldn't shut up about Jesus. That's Peter. There's Paul, another guy in this, who wrote this book of the Bible here. Look at verses 8 and 9, talking about the Apostle Paul. Look at what he says. Verse 8, And last of all, he appeared to me also as, one, as to one abnormally born. For I'm the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Before Paul met Jesus resurrected from the dead right, Paul was the guy going around persecuting the Christians. He's going around literally dragging them out of their houses and like getting them arrested and all sorts of stuff, beating them, getting them beat up and even getting them killed. But then suddenly one day he goes from being the guy who gets Christians killed to being the guy who's willing to be killed for Jesus. Now what could make someone change the way Peter and Paul did. What could possibly explain that kind of a change? I only think of one thing, coming face to face with the risen Lord Jesus, resurrected from the dead, and going, wow, I get it. I know who you are now, Jesus. You really are the one who died to save us. You really are God's King, And so they were convinced that the world needed to hear about Jesus so badly that they lived the lives that they did. It's an amazing transformation. Here's the four things we've seen tonight, right? The evidence for the resurrection. Number one, Jesus was a man who who lived and died. Pretty standard. Number two, Jesus was buried but his body did go missing. Number three, hundreds of witnesses saw Jesus risen from the dead. And number four, the incredible change in those witnesses. So what we've seen so far. I reckon it's pretty compelling stuff, but I want to throw to you guys just for a little bit. Oh, I don't want to spend ages in here, but do you guys have any questions you want to ask before we finish up? And then you can ask more questions just to me out there if you want or someone else, if you are dying to stick up your hand now. But have you got any questions? No questions, dumb or rude or anything like that? Yes. Go for it. How do we know his body went missing? Um... Uh, We're basing that on the accounts that say it. So just like this one, sorry, you're right, this verse doesn't say, this chapter of the Bible doesn't say that his body went missing. But if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, which are the accounts of his life, all four of them tell the same thing, that he was buried. Three days later, they went to the tomb, body's gone, what's going on? And then the story unfolds from there, he starts appearing. So we're basing that on the accounts themselves, which claim this thing. And then, and so, yeah. That that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, yeah. Other questions? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So the the very fact that we're sitting in a room of three hundred and fifty people talking about a guy called Jesus who rose from the dead, alongside billions of people worldwide today suggests that there was probably something to this at the time. Like, I could go home tonight and just write on Facebook, guess what, my grandpa resurrected and turns out he's God, everyone follow me. I don't reckon it's going to get very far. Christianity was very different to that. In, in the face of incredible adversity and persecution, this thing just grew. And I take it that's because no one ever said, wait a second, his body's right here, or look, his great, you know, etc. Yeah, I, and, I, and more than just a body missing... They witnessed face-to-face this guy walking around. I think if they just went, his body's gone, whoa, and then Jesus never appeared, it probably wouldn't have got very far either. It would have just been like, oh, these dogs took it. You know, who knows? Um, but witnesses of him walking around. Other questions? Um, well, I don't think that, particular aspect of their lives that they died for their faith makes them special or different from someone who does that today. I think the thing that makes the disciples special, uh, particularly in the context of the Bible, is that Jesus, before he dies and afterwards, he says to them, you guys are basically to represent me in the world and tell tell the world about me and kind of be my voice in the world. So they have a special authority to write the rest of the Bible and so on. But their death is just like anyone else who'd be willing to die for their faith, except that they witnessed Jesus resurrected as well. So Bill, who died yesterday or whatever, it's great that he died perhaps testifying to Jesus, but he didn't see Jesus face to face. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. Other questions? Is that the same dude or a different dude? What's that? Sorry, man? Uh, Yeah, go again, man. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if I could answer all that because I don't know how well I heard everything you said. But I'll say some stuff, and we can t- definitely talk more as well after. Um, but um, like, I can't whip out a document that says this apostle died in this particular way by testifying to Jesus, right? But a common thing that was happening as the church began to grow in the New Testament was that the Romans, who are kind of overseen, running the country, are sitting there and they're like, "We don't like this thing." And they effectively used to put a thing to the Christians where they would say, um, if you just say the right stuff, say that you worship the other gods, not Jesus, our, our Roman gods, blah, blah, blah. If you basically just give us lip service and say what we want you to say, whether you even believe it or not type thing, we just want you to kind of toe the line. That's what Christians were being told after Jesus died. So it wasn't like, if we catch you in a lie, we're going to kill you. It was more like, Dude, just say the right thing and we're not going to beat you up anymore. They're like, nah, we believe in Jesus. That was kind of the tone of their persecution. So I don't know that the Romans necessarily would have tracked them down and killed them for lying. It would have been more of a case of we want you to shut up and stop preaching these things. You can read in, in a book called Acts, which is what happens to the apostles, you can read about how they get locked up in prison and, and the authorities, the Roman authorities say to them, if you just stop doing what you're doing, stop preaching, we won't kill you. And instead, instead of being like, okay, you got me, I'll stop preaching, let me out of prison, and even just do a sneaky, ha I'm preaching now, they didn't do that. He was like, no, nah, I'm not going to stop preaching, Jesus is who I'm claiming him to be. So Eve, so that was the kind of the tone of the persecution, it was, shut up and we'll stop persecuting you. And they were like, no. So there's part of an answer, but we'll talk more after, I reckon, yeah. Yep. Um, look, if you've got more questions, guys, um, come ask me, I'll be in the couches just over in the welcome lounge over on Over there. So come find me if you want to ask more questions. But let's finish up now, right? What do we do with this stuff we've looked at tonight? I want to say that it's a high stakes question. It's a really high stakes question. It's a big deal what you do with this. For Christians, if Jesus didn't rise, remember, you may as well be wasting your time telling the world about Santa Claus. You're a liar about God. You're not forgiven for your sins. And when you die, you're just going to rot in the ground if Jesus didn't die. That's pretty high stakes. If you're not a Christian but Jesus did rise from the dead, he's God. He is your ruler. You may not know it yet but he is your rightful ruler and so one day you're going to face him either as your enemy or as your friend. That's a pretty high stakes claim. And so your job tonight is this. I can't force you to do anything but I reckon your job is to work out where you personally stand with this stuff. Do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? That's a question all of us need to answer tonight. We've seen some compelling stuff. We haven't seen everything, but we've seen some big stuff. What do you make of the evidence? If you're convinced that Jesus rose from the dead, I reckon there's only one good option if you know this is true. You've got to come back to God. You've got to find your forgiveness in Jesus. You must have him as your ruler... And as your savior, that's what a Christian is, someone who has Jesus as their, their ruler, their king, and their savior, the one who died for them on the cross. Now, I've met people right. get this. I've met people who, who fully know that Je- some of you are here who know that Jesus rose from the dead. They know who He is, but they refuse to become Christians because they know what it's going to cost to follow Him. But guys, I've got to say, it's worth it. It will cost you to become a Christian, but it's overwhelmingly worth it. To know that Jesus is legit, that he really is God, that he rose from the dead, right? To know that and not become a Christian is like like standing in the middle of train tracks with a train bearing down on you and just kind of going, closing your eyes, sticking your arms out and being like, I'm just going to push this train out of the way, I'll be fine. It's just a ridiculous thing to do, to think that you'll be fine if you know that Jesus is who he claimed to be. There's no reason good enough to stop you from becoming a Christian if you know that this is the case. Now, maybe maybe you're worried about sin in your life and you're like, well, I don't know how to deal with that. That's the point of Jesus. He died to save you from your sin and he'll help you to change. Maybe you don't know everything there is to know. You've got questions still that you need to get answered. Well, that's okay, but you can afford to work some stuff out along the way. You don't have to know everything there is to know about being a Christian to become one. You need to understand that He really is God, that He rose again, and that He died for your sins. Have Him as your ruler and have Him as your king, and you can work the rest out along the way. Now, God, I'm going to give you a chance to become a Christian now if you want to do that, and it's not something that you have to do in a room and... Praying, You can become a Christian anytime you want. What matters is the business you do between you and God. But it's as simple as this. It's, it's, it's asking God to be your ruler and your saviour. Asking Jesus to be your ruler and your saviour. So here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray three things. Sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you. Thank you for dying for me and rising again. And thirdly, please... Please be my ruler from here on out. I'm going to pray that. If you want to make that your prayer, I reckon that's a good way to tell God that you want to follow him and be a Christian. So let's pray. Everyone close your eyes and um, if you want to pray with me, just pray in your own head. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin and the way I've treated you and treated others. Thank you for dying for me on the cross and rising again. Please help me to live now with you as my ruler. Amen. Sweet. Thanks, guys.